Hi there, and thanks for tuning in for another exciting vlog, podcast, blog, etc. Uh, I'm very, very lucky today to be joined by uh, two creative artists, uh, video makers, uh, trainers, um, and, and people that are really learning how to bring boring stuff like mandatory training in resilience, in cyber, in controls, in compliance to life. So they're much more memorable, much more impactful. And actually, they make a real difference to the control posture of the organizations that, that take them on board. So first of all, I have Ian Murphy from CyberOff. Uh, if those of you who've been following Ian on LinkedIn, and I'm sure uh, TikTok and all the other social media platforms that, that Ian is, is on, um, you'll have seen some of his very, very funny, but really, really meaningful uh, videos uh, on cybersecurity and also Simeon Quarry, who I've worked with in the past and we've done a lot of great work in bringing to life some of the complex and quite dry topics of resilience to a broader audience and making it mandatory but hopefully making it enjoyable at the same time so thanks guys for joining me I really appreciate it um, maybe I'll just go to you first Ian Ian is there anything else you wanted to add from my intro but also you know what does it mean to you to to, to bring sort of cyber training to the masses uh, I think, I think, firstly, uh, being called a creative artist, I've been called an artist before, but with something else before it, never creative. But um, I, I think uh, for for me to bring any kind of, uh, I've never really got the term awareness because awareness means a hell of a lot, but really doesn't explain anything. I, I like to. I like to refer to the types of things that I think I'm trying to do is to help increase people's cyber savviness. So more around savvy, more around what you need to stay safe in, in the online world. So, so the type of stuff that, you know, if, if, if I'm growing up on the streets of Liverpool, I know I can't go to that neighborhood because there's a great degree of possibility. I'll, I'll get beaten up if, if I go there. So it's trying to bring that type of spidey sense to people without making them security experts, because, because I, I dislike the term human firewall. I don't think anyone comes to work to become an extension of their security controls that they spend a lot of money on. I think they come to work to, to have a pay packet, to have a life outside of work. And I think it's slightly myopic of a business to think that they're there to protect the business. And I think if we turn that on its head and we make people cyber savvy by giving them interesting content that they can share with families and friends, then I think a lovely byproduct of that is you get people protecting your business without you even to ever ask once. Yeah, I think it's a great point. You know, it's 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 that culture and how do you how do you get that culture kind of weaved in? So it's not just yet another part of their job they're gonna to have to remember to do in the checklist at the end of every day. It's just they just know it. It's muscle memory. Simeon, what about yourself? Um, yeah, for me, I guess very similar to Ian. I think for my focus and the way I look at it is trying to make a subject matter. If a subject doesn't matter to an individual, um, then there is going to be no positive behavior related to it in the first place. And I think we've all been in the situations where, you know, we hear terms, we hear phrases and they're rammed down our throat. And because you don't get it, um, at that fundamental level, um, even if you're not aware, sometimes you're not aware, Ian, actually, you know, sometimes it's just actually you're not aware of that concept full stop. Um, so I think first step, you end, we end up trying to make people aware, but we end, our focus is to make it matter. And then once you make it matter, that's when you can then start to make things 
make things stick. So, so I, I, I do um, refer to both you as, as, as creatives, uh, artists, because actually having, you know, there's a lot of thought and planning that's clearly gone into your videos, Ian, um, and, and obviously with your Simeon as well. And how do you get your inspiration for your ideas and, 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 and how do you kind of measure success in their delivery? So maybe Ian, what, what, what about you? I think I think I, inspiration kind of just comes from everyday life, right? When when I get a family member, because because I'm I'm the security guy to them, so so their default is any IT problem, whatever it is, let's go to Ian and let's ask him. You know, is this a scam? Is this an issue? So so I think a lot of the inspiration comes from that. And let me tell you, there's a lot of stuff when you have to repair your father's laptop that you can never get out of your mind, especially their search history. <laughs> Don't ever go down that route, right? Um, but but I, I think I think the other thing is 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 my my upbringing and my background. I think when people talk to each other about stuff, it's a different language than a corporate language, and I think people are so afraid in a corporate setting to upset somebody. I think I think if you don't set out with the intention to upset somebody, if if it happens accidentally and you and you apologise for it, but but I think the problem is is that when we try and explain complex matters to people, um, we're, we're using a language that is alien to them to get it over. And I, I think the inspiration for the videos I do is to, is to try and use simple language. You know, be, being a Liverpool fan, I'm, I'm a favourite of... I, I love what Bill Shankly has to say on using difficult words to explain something. When he, descri when he describes somebody who'd used the word avarice, he said, I, I just call them bloody greedy, you know, and, and, and that's that's essentially that's that's the essence of it. The essence is help people understand the stuff by making it simple and enjoyable for the for it, you know. And that's where that inspiration comes from, especially when you then tie in Tommy Cooper and Morkham and Wise and Billy Connolly and those great comedians of the past, you know, that's that's what I try and bring to it. Very, very on, on a very small scale, by the way. <laughs> Funny, I was I was watching one of your videos the other day, and um, it reminded me. I, I grew up the generation of things like Eddie Murphy, Delirious, and Roar, and uh, uh, Billy Connolly uh, live at the uh, at the Hammersmith Odeon, which was a bit late, or much later, and then Robin Williams live at the Met, and that sort of comedy was. Uh, I, I kind of like see it. In, you know, even you could sort of say Derek and Clive from from one yeah. angle as well, yeah. the Monty Python, but that sort of observational irony comedy, right? Yeah. Playing the stereotype and playing the sarcasm and playing the irony—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's what makes it. Re I think it also makes it resonate for Brits in particular because we're very good at, uh, at being—we're very self-deprecating. We're very good at kind of like taking the Mickey out of ourselves when it comes to our inability to do certain things, as well. So uh, yeah, I—I I, I think it, it's really coming through. And Simeon, what about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that I—I um, I tend to lean in the direction very much of of story. Um, and I very much agree with Ian, you know, look, the, the aim is, is to take things that start off by you know, very complicated and distill them down into a really simple form. And typically storytelling has been used to, you know, to, to do that, because if you can't, if something's very complicated, you can't relay it from one person to another. Um, and the storytelling was often used in order to be able to wrap things in a way so that when it went from one person to another or from one generation to another, the key sentiment and the key essence was there. Um, so stories can often use humor 
um, often different cultures will use different levers in those stories, um, you know, in order to be able to make those stories more effective. But very complex language um, is very, very rarely ever the tool that's used. But we seem to find that, you know, when it comes to um, business, that that tends to be the approach that's often used. I, and I, I think, so for a start, um, you know, Mike, I don't come from a corporate background, right? Um, in, in fact, um, some of the projects that we did were part of my, you know, the beginning of our foray into into more corporate and commercial work. And I, I remember sitting up um, in, in, in the office of the, of the bank on the 30, what was it, 33rd floor, 31st floor? And, um, you know, there was this term's been thrown at me, you know, um, it was business continuity and a move from that to resilience. And I was just like, whoa, 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 slow down a minute. Break this concept down for me so, so I can then start to understand it. And I very much enjoy, even now, naturally, um, my understanding and the team's understanding of these subjects is obviously hugely advanced. Um, you know, and in many cases, naturally, of course, becoming, um, Ian loved this, subject matter expert, inverted commas. Um, but it's really important still to keep going, no, no, but what do you mean? What do you mean? Do you mean it's like this? And in fact, so I often utilize the it's like, and, and often use maybe I've been brought up with illustrations often, uh, maybe because partly I come from a, um, I, I, as I was growing up, I was brought up as a religious background where things were often um, illustrated. Mm. Uh, and, and as a result, those illustrations make things um, very, very simple uh, for people to understand. Yeah. That's quite interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I often, you and I've talked about this before, I've, I've got a, like a Lego brain. I, I don't do well with lots of words. Um, and uh, I, I'm probably, I don't think I am dyslexic, but I, I just don't like reading lots of words. Yeah. But, um, when I see a picture or a video or something like that, I, it's, it's great. And um, the, the ideas come across much more quickly and, and they, they resonate with me. I was on a call earlier today with an architect and he was telling me all this stuff about cloud. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you have a picture you could show me? And he's like, yes, I do. I said, put it on the screen so I can have a look at it, please. And then we just sort of went through. I said, okay, now I understand what you're talking about. I can I, I can remember that that's imprinted in my brain, but all the words you're throwing at me doesn't don't really mean things. And and when I did when I so I'm not a business continuity professional, right? Don't don't shh, don't tell anyone. Right. Um, but I'm not. Uh, and I've come from a technology and operations background in finance and I don't um, so when I go into a lot of these meetings like you were in these meetings about the journey from BCM to resilience I, I was probably only really a, a few steps ahead of you in, in going on that journey because I, I don't have any preconceptions about it well that's not true I have negative preconceptions about BCM because of my previous jobs and stuff like that but it, you know it, for me it was it was trying to go on the journey and I, I wanted to see pictures. I wanted to see a journey that I could relate to. And the same with cyber, you know, when I first started working with the, the cyber team at the bank, uh, uh, and, and interestingly, I, back in the past, I was a business information security officer for another bank years ago, uh, but it was a very different threat landscape sort of 15 years ago to the landscape that we have now. Um, but again, you're always crazy acronyms and concepts and stuff like that. And I sat down with our, one of our senior cyber guys and said, just dumb it down for me. If you've got any puppets or like crayons, just just make it understandable. And it worked. And now yeah. I, you know, now I can sit in meetings. I've got the, the, the foundational knowledge to be able to understand uh, a lot more as well. Um, 
So I think that I think this is key, the point you're bringing up, and I want to dig into this a little bit more because I, I think that um, when you when many go into an environment like the corporate environment, or perhaps um, so I've done some work with with academics and scientists, and um, what is really important is for you to be able to advance. You need to be able to speak a particular language. You need to be able to speak a particular dialogue. It's a, it's a form of shorthand. It's also a way of understanding that someone belongs in a particular um, environment. And so what can happen is, is that dialogue and that communication, that shorthand that needs to happen sometimes because it makes life easier when you're working. Um, you can make the mistake of believing that same language is what's, spoken by um, others throughout the business. So then if you understand all of this, it's like, can you imagine not understanding English? It's actually something that's really difficult to even comprehend. Um, so the moment you automatically go to think of um, writing something or communicating something, what happens is you go, you default straight into your, your first language. Um, and for many, that is, ends up being inherently technical. So when you get those inherently technical, seeing the world in a particular way, then now having to become communication experts, trying to change culture, trying to change behavior, things very quickly can start to, to fall down and, uh, and, and break apart. It's, it's, a, it's a point I always say, actually, when I talk to people about this, the, the communication element of it. You know, there's certain people in security who are doing awareness and different types of awareness you should never be allowed to speak to people. Never, ever be allowed to speak to people. Shouldn't, because they can't communicate. They can, mm. but they communicate in, in almost Morse code to these folk. Yeah. And, and that's the, that really is the key element. And, and, and Simi, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Whether you're telling a story or telling a joke or whatever, you're bringing people into your world and you're getting them involved in you. And the, the, they are giving you permission at that time. To, to get them interested and entertain them and woe betide you if you get that with awareness and you ruin and you waste that time that they've given you because their attention will go somewhere else straight away you know so so it, it has to be communicated correctly but it has to be communicated by people who know how to speak to people from various different backgrounds you know and and that those people then tell other people and then they then come to you and they're part of, I hate the word, your audience, so to yep. speak. Do you know the, the, the thing that really resonates with me there um, that I will steal is the Morse code, right? Um, because I think the mistake that we can often make um, is that, and let's, you know, let's include ourselves in this because we are now, we, we, we can't help but become more technical with our knowledge and understanding. We can make the mistake that we are trying to teach everybody Morse code. And we can effectively forget to actually know what we're trying to do is we're trying to communicate a message. And the Morse code is merely a method um, of getting that message across to a certain type of audience. But our audience is now, it has shifted um, internally to those who are experts sitting on the other end on the receiver, you know, in your sock centers or those in other technical audiences. Great, that Morse code works. But the reality is, is we are just trying to communicate a message um, and it may be that we focus so much on the on the actual Morse code itself that it can be really easy for us to miss the point. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. It's 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 almost as and and this you are right. There's time for Morse code, right? And having a technical background behind me, I can talk Morse code if I need to. I can explain networking and that to folk if if I need to. 
So, so it, it is a joyous surprise for them when they see this Scousidia idiot turn up. And then I can talk to them about TCPIP and not think it's just a throat lozenge, you know? So. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, I, I, I think... Um... I, just, I just have this vision, sorry, to playing the stereotype, right? If you're going in to see all these clients and everyone checking their wallets and going running out and taking their cars it's, and still... It's the first joke I do to make sure everybody gets it out the system, right? So I'll normally go in, hey, you notice the accent, don't worry, I can see you mentally patting yourselves down and stuff like that. Or I'll tell them my best Scouser joke. You know why Scousers like Batman? Because they can't go out without Robin. So it gets it out of there and it gets it out of their system because you know they're thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so do you know something? I, I want to ask a pointed question here, um, Ian. And sorry, Mike. Okay. Um, <laughs> Because you, you talk about you delivering as a scouser, right? Um, what do you think about the messenger? Like, how, how significant point do you think, like, the messenger is? Um, and is that something that you you utilize um, in a very strategic, I don't know, that I think, because there's storytelling. Um, yeah. The storyteller ends up being often quite key and quite a significant element. So, you know, some stories, you imagine the, it's the grandfather voice, right? Mm. Um, and why? Because it reassures you and it, it, it settles you down into a particular, you know, once upon a time. Um, but then that same story, if you were needing to storytell to a group of young girls on why to, um, or how to stay safe online as you were going inside chat rooms, etc. That same individual and that same voice would no longer apply. But you know that that it, it breaks. What role do you think you know um, the storyteller has, particularly because you are um, you know you're a personality in the space that I find you know is massively effective at being able to penetrate and get through. Mm. I, I I think it's and, and I've done a lot of thinking about this uh, recently. And, and for me, it, it really is about, it's, it's, it's about inhabiting a character, I think, but, but also not a character too far detached from me as the real person. Cause I'd like to think when people met me and had a pint with me or, or a cup of coffee, whatever their, whatever their poison is that they would go, Oh, actually, yeah, you, you are a bit like that. You know, so I don't want it to be a surprise where people meet me and I turn up in a cardigan and a flat cap and don't say anything and I'm a little bit shy and retiring, you know. But it's also true that the the amplifications turned up a little yeah. bit. I get to be a professional scouser on the video a little bit, you know. Yeah. I get to be a bit Stan Bowman, a bit Jimmy Tarbuck, a bit of those guys. But, but it, it's not so far detached. I'm a rubbish karaoke singer. You've seen that on the videos. Apart from crooning, by the way, if we ever get to crooning, then you'll see the real skill come out. But, I'll look forward but, to that video. Absolutely. A bit, bit of Mac the Knife, a bit of That's Life. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine then. Don't worry about it. Um, but but I want people to, have, after they've spent an hour with me, think I'm not going to, I'm never getting that hour back. But to think that, Actually, he, he is. He is like that. There's nothing. To, I don't want anything false to come across in it. So it's important that if I'm telling that story or telling that thing, it's done with my voice. Mm -hmm. So it is. I'm, I'm not then really amending that voice too much. If it's a, if it's a group of teenagers or if it's old age pensioners, I I, I want to bridge it with them knowing that it's it's me and my voice, and they know what they're going to get prior to coming into that conversation. Mm.
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's great. What about, I mean, I know, Sim, you and I have talked a bit about like lockdown projects. So, you know, lockdown and the way of working has changed in the last year, right? Most of us are stuck at home. And um, it's, there's no sign of us getting back in the office really for months still, uh, although things are looking up with the, with the vaccine, as long as uh, the South African uh, version of it doesn't, uh, doesn't take over. But in any case, you know, um, we've got a, uh, a changing working patterns that's almost certainly going to stay for some time. Whereas before we've been running big exercises and training sessions, we've got people in offices and we can do things with them physically that we couldn't do. Uh, I mean, appropriately physically that we couldn't necessarily yeah. if, we were, if we were at home. But, you know, what, it, what, what challenges do you think we have in, in helping people to understand some of these concepts? And what do you, what have you been working on Sim, that might, might be able to, to help? So I, I think that, um, so a lot has changed and we've had to change a lot, right? Because I mean, we've, we, the key thing for us is that getting across the message, making a subject matter is the main thing. The, the tool that we use, whether it be video animation, virtual reality, or now um, interactive um, online, um, you know, modules, as it were, um, all of those things are just tools in order to be able to grab someone's attention, reorientate them on the subject, and then to make that subject matter. I think now what we do is we, we find ourselves in a situation where we are competing. I mean, we were always competing for attention. It's just that where people are is different um, and we have less control. So I, I think that, um, you know, when we've spent, you know, gone into a number of, of, of corporate offices and if you, you can visualize, whether it be the stereotypical cubicle or, or those who are somewhat more open plan, you can go in those environments and as you go through the lobby area and you see the big keywords that might be part of the mission statements and the core values and you get into the lift and you go up in the lift, all of a sudden it's like you are changing from one state, one individual to another. And I think as you go through that process, you become more attuned and acclimatized to the personality of the organization that you are working for it's the whole purpose of the of the environment and what that can mean is is that um when that organization says now it's time to do this and it's um dry um bland click next um corporate training that's really flat uh, it doesn't really it's fine because you are totally inside that in environment but now we're not we're at home right and around us everything's moving it's alive we've got kids running about right and um, working in the other corner we've got the distractions we've got more than one phone all of a sudden it's really it's much more difficult to capture people's attention and mm. um, inform them that what they're about to look at or what they're looking at really matters and then keep them long enough in order to be able to, um, you know, leverage that 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 change, um, and to make that subject matter now is is really key. So I mean, the thing we're really focusing on is is how we can leverage the same principles that we've always, you know, we always do, which is the principles of story. Um, the interactivity is massive. You know, it's it's really key. Now, I be careful here because. Click next, click next, train, training modules is a form of interactivity. But for me, that doesn't count, right? Um, just to be clear, I think that 
Um, what we try to do is, is and what, we try, what we're doing is we're utilizing this interactivity to enable people to make decisions, to be able to control a story. Um, or if you're in a particular situation, to be able to um, directly make a decision that has impact and consequences. And I think um, that becomes really useful. I think we've got a couple of things, right? Um, one is, you know, what Ian's fantastic at, uh, and we 100% buy into, is if you get someone's attention and you've managed to do that, you, you better have earned that, right? And it better be worth watching and continuing to do. And then when people are working from home now, um, that becomes even more important. But then also what we want to be able to do is we want to be able to further leverage that. And so that's, yeah, I guess what we're, we're really focusing on. A long answer to a very short question. Apologies. Wow. Uh, no, but thank you. And Ian, you've, you've, um, yeah, your videos have come to really seem to have been a, a lockdown project as well. And, and Yeah, uh, yeah, out. yeah. It, without lockdown, I doubt cyber off would have occurred to be quite honest because it, it came it came initially from raising a brand profile and again i hate saying that but it came from that but then it came from also doing some work with the covid volunteers um in the early part of lockdown and helping them with their threat intel to nhs trusts and that around the uk and i found i found we were sending out the same newsletter week after week it just the date was changed, but the same attacks were there, and I was thinking, you know, why, why, why is this? Why do, you know, and 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 then it just kind of grew from there. It, it grew from there, and and Simeon's absolutely correct that, um, I, I think I think there's a responsibility on us now more to do the entertaining for people who are at home that we're telling these stories to. That we're giving them this information we have to we have to entertain we have to use their time wisely or they'll just go off on something else and also as well it's a break from the norm for them because that click click next 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 is terrible behavior you know there's plenty of studies about rats doing that type of stuff and you can get them to train them to do anything you know so 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 i think what what I want to do, and the stuff that Simeon and those guys are doing with virtual reality, which is awesome, to be quite honest, is bringing a different view of, of, of how you can look and immerse yourselves in, in a situation and then put yourselves in, in that kind of place without, without fear of failing, without fear of getting it wrong, without fear of reprisals. Um, and and I, think, I think that's what is also coming out of this, is that... You know what? You, you know if you keep telling somebody the bad at something all the time. I, I, so so I don't want people to think that this is all about just telling people they're great and they, they can never fail. Life is not like that. You will fail at stuff, but but that's how we you know that that's how we get better. There's certain times when you have to be a bit realistic. You know, if you've got a kid and you're taking them to the X Factor year on year on year and telling them that they're gonna win, but they've got a voice like a goose farting in the fog you are just doing that kid a disservice by leading them on that way you know mm -hmm. but 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 actually if if you're thinking about the reality and the responsibility that that we have uh, at the moment in lockdown to to get people that little bit more savvy that little bit more aware using different techniques breaking out of the norm being a bit adventurous you know i have it leveled at me all the time not safe for work that causes offence. Brilliant! It's an instant 
sign in, sign out for me. I know that you're in my audience or not in my audience. If you find me saying bumhole on a video is a little bit too risque for you, you know? So, so <laughs> you're backing away from the microphone. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, I hope people see that on the record and I hope it just slowly backing away from the microphone. Um, that, that was awesome. That was com comedic time and of, of, immense proportions but but really it, it does come down to and, and and i also think as well it comes down to not one size fits all you know so have multiple providers get different opinions get different views on on how you learn and, and how you take this stuff in see what resonates with your folks you know try a and b testing and all that stuff try running one campaign alongside the other try a little bit of a after the watershed moment for folk who want that little bit more risque stuff and then the safer work stuff where people are comfortable in that you know it's 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 a time that we've got now where we can really experiment and really try lots of different pieces and hopefully with the goal of helping our staff and how pe our people remain safer online you know i, I want to jump in here as well so i think one of the other reasons why um you know the content that you're making and the things that we've been up to is really important is because actually we're living in a time now where so much of the messaging is negative right um and i'm really conscious we've just made a um, an interactive online module because we can't do the vr at the moment um that thousands of people are going through and it's about working from home and the risks associated with working from home right now we need to get those things across but we've also got a lot of other things that we're really worrying about. And if all of a sudden, unfortunately, for the, the message that we have to deliver and also how we need to protect people, we're compounding um, this, you know, be careful of this, be careful of that, watch out for this, watch out for COVID, don't touch this, don't touch that, don't, now we're going, don't click on this, don't do that. And, and we've got a lot to contend with on, with, on a mental health level, right? And um, uh, all of us have been... I, well, I can talk for myself, have struggled to some to some degree over the course of this, you know, this lockdown. Um, and the messaging that we've got is absolutely critical um, to personal safety, family safety, organization safety and, and infrastructure and, you know, country level and, and beyond. But isn't it great if we can get these messages across and laugh, right? and enjoy and get those messages this is a this is a service right that is massively important on a human level and the way that ian's delivering it and making people smile whilst they're getting these messages is why this is it's why it's getting so much traction right right now right it's because it's what people need people need to smile um at this particular time and i think as we've gone about creating our content as well um We've been very careful in the approach that no, don't be afraid of using, um, don't be afraid of using humour. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in our digital experiences, right, um, Ian? You know, as as well. So we both we we try and make sure that we we balance thing, these things out so that we can get these messages across. But um, what we shouldn't be doing right now is just putting out the same corporate rhetoric on these messaging as because now is now is not the time for that. But it's interesting because, you know, if you think about what happened in the first half of 2020 when we when we got into the first lockdown, you know, there's a lot of things that in previous years were too difficult or too risky for corporations to do. So widespread rollout of um, collaboration tools uh, that 
information security professionals were concerned that, that it would increase the risk of data leakage and da 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 da. And even worse, they're going to be doing it from home and we haven't got physical controls in place and we don't know who's got their laptop and maybe there's going to be somebody sitting over their shoulder looking at everything they can do and videoing it. And 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 so we, we didn't do it, but the first half of the last year, it's like, go, 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 go. And everyone suddenly has got a laptop. Everyone's working from home. Everyone's got, you know, teams and stuff. I've got teams on my, on my phone here and it's, 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 um, it's been a great enabler. So now maybe now is the time to say, well, that worked okay. And, and actually everything's okay. And we have more controls in place. We've had to put something to check and et cetera, but why don't we take a risk in some of the other elements as well? And, and um, you know, the, the PC police, that maybe won't will brand all of Ian's stuff not safe for work may actually let a few of them through, and uh, or and or a slightly edited version of it. Yeah, which is exactly why I've I've done some PG versions, right? Just just to get around that. They're very um, short. They're only about like thirty seconds long because you've had to remove so much of it. <laughs> I, I just spend all my time barking at the moon, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I interrupt you, but yeah, I mean that, that's important because I I it just. I just get so frustrated with with the way with, that we do things and and what you've done Ian is is you bring everything to life you make it real you make it funny but you make it real right and people will remember it and the message I've, I've been sending that stuff to my my family and friends yeah like you said you're the security guy I'm the IT guy for the family as well so anything wrong with technology comes to me um and uh and I normally fix it with a you know a swift reboot but you know it's it's uh it's one of those things that it does help and it makes people understand the concepts because there's no point in you saying, watch out for these, this APT group, whatever, or cozy bear this, nobody cares, nobody knows. But, um, yeah. and if you, if you're saying things like, well, it could be you that they are after to get your information. They're like, nobody cares about me. But if you basically put it, yeah. to, you know, basically here's a really simple thing you can do. So you don't get scammed like a moron. Yeah. But, but, but that's interesting, right? When people use that language, when they use APT, or they give it a destination like Russia or China. Then they build a James Bond image yeah. around it where it's big business. It's, it will never happen to me. And we all have terrible uh, cognitive biases, right, that, that we don't really think about too much because it's, it, it, it hurts your head when you start to think about it. But actually, as soon as you start framing it as an otherworldly thing where it's organized groups who are after this, that, and the other, people kind of switch off and think, it's not going to be me. When actually... If, if we sat down and went through all the attacks of last year, the sophistication on 99% of them was, was zero, right? It was just, it really, it's the same type of techniques, it's the same approaches, it's the same type of issues coming up time and time again, which is why I contend that given the same message, doing it in different ways, in different scenarios, with different videos or different learning methods yep. is the way to do it. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I think that, um, so we... I think that's one of the reasons we love we enjoy using stories so much is that actually the, that description you gave there Ian of the organized business right of course um there is a reality to that because it can be organized businesses that are using those simple methods but when you get to use storytelling the great thing is is actually in the way that you do with many films you actually get to set up the antagonist the organization the force the individual and then you can make the individual the protagonist and you just use storytelling to join the dots to make that individual care about that same purpose or what's going to happen so it storytelling can be used as that bridge between that 
abstract concept and it can bring it much much closer to home and i think that's where we've really enjoyed using that interactivity because we can go right you know something we're going to make a mission control center of the dark web yeah. and we're going to send you on a mission there and we're going to give you two three minutes undercover to look at what the individuals and the criminals are doing and then we can use that interactivity now as you go against the clock to then um bring that you know it, it brings it straight to to you at home um, also engages in some cases we've heard from some organization where the children have gone in and started going and getting involved in the mandatory learning and training why because we kind of we, we've designed it for ourselves like yourself Ian right we, we've designed it for ourselves and I, I think that um, the key thing that we're we're seeing now is that there was a phrase you used earlier Mike um, and I, I forgot what it was to do with to do with the attitude towards training I think the thing is is at the moment, it's, that was it. You said that it's time for people to consider taking a risk. And I'd love to challenge that because I would love people to stop thinking of this as taking a risk. Having personality isn't a risk, yeah. right? Actually, what we're doing is we're actually just communicating in a in a normal way because everyone's now started to live at home they've started to realize that this isn't about big business which was just business on another layer which was disconnected from the normal individual and disconnected from the home all of a sudden business in some ways has been brought to its knees in a very humble way and actually in quite a nice way because business now forms part of every of, of, of home life and as a result businesses are having to understand what matters to the individual and how individual wants to communicate and starting to understand, um, you know, how to grab an individual's attention in a way that matters to them. So I think this is a great opportunity for us now to um, look to the future as an opportunity to bring in personality um, and to try and do things uh, differently. Let's not put a, a suit and tie on everything we do. Let's make it more accessible. Chaps, thank you very much for your time. I've really enjoyed that conversation. Um, I will I would encourage anyone who watches this, and obviously there's going to be at least one of you, uh, three of us, uh, but uh, please do have a look at CyberOff and Ian's stuff on, on LinkedIn and also Vivida and Simeon stuff as well. There's some awesome work that both you guys have been doing in this space and, and keep doing it. Uh, I've I've had a go myself at creating some uh, interactive training. I'll 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 share that with you guys and maybe put a bit on the end of this video. My resilience risk destruction eight bit game. It's awesome. Pow 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 pew 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 pew. Ouch. Uh, yeah, it's listen to the sound effects. They're very good. But thank you guys, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully speak to you both soon. Brilliant. Thanks, chaps. Really enjoyed it. See you later. Bang, bang, bang. Ooh, that's bang. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. Ouch.